0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast. We are finally here with the permanent guests. Uh, I am Tyler Brook. Joined uh, finally by Chris Burke, who was under the weather last week after he was supposed to be the new full-time co-host. We are both alive. We are COVID-free. Chris, how are you doing, man?
2: Uh, I am very glad to be vertical. Um, this is not that pleasant time of year, you know, that, that the whole fun, is this a cold sinus infection or COVID thing is really, uh, I mean, I'm even vaccinated, but I mean, that it's not a fun game to play.
1: It really isn't. Uh, obviously, again, welcome to the show. I'm very pumped to have you on. Uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then a question I like to try and ask. I'm pretty sure I've forgotten to ask Justice in text as well. But like in your lifetime, who was the most influential Packers player to you?
2: All right. Well, low by low biographical information. Um, I've been with the Acme Packing Company staff now since the beginning of the 2014 season. Uh, so this is your number eight, doing my math right. <laughs> um, so it's um, so I've been on staff for about eight years doing various writing assignments. I'm handling cheese curds a couple of days a week. So here are our, our news links, other feature writing. Um, before that, I had done some time with um, Jersey Al's site, which has now been folded into Cheesehead TV. Uh, and before that, I actually got my start with Bleacher Report, when Bleacher Report would take, you know, whomever, you know, I just started fresh out of college. I'm like, hey, you don't know, why not give this a shot? And, you know, and that was 2009. So here we are 12 years later. Um, and I'm still doing it
1: (laughs) before you get into your Packers. When I was just about to ask, like when you worked at Bleacher Report, we were about to find out live on air. If we crossed paths there, I was there from 2012 to on and off 2020, uh,
2: 2009 up until late 2010. And then on and Mm -hmm. off a little bit in 2013, a little bit, they brought me back as a featured columnist a little bit, but yeah, our, our paths never crossed.
1: Oh, that's really unfortunate, man. That would have been pretty <laughs> exciting for the listeners, but I'm uh, sorry. Keep going. Yeah. First, I
2: apologize. So um, obviously, so obviously, you know, I've been doing various feature writing, you know, being the being the one person on staff, I, I live in Appleton. So I'm like 20 minutes south yep. of Green Bay. So I'm kind of the man on the street, so to speak. So I've been able to do some cool events. Um, got to speak with Aaron Jones this year. You know, I got to go to, you know, where I used to live before I was not too far from Chicago. Uh, I got to spend some time with Jordy Nelson on uh, Brian Erlock around a military base. Uh, but the peak, you know, the peak highlight for me has been, uh, you know, since we, unfortunately, the Packers haven't been able to get to a Super Bowl. Um, the peak has been, you know, getting to cover Jerry Kramer going into the Hall of Fame in Canton in uh, oh, yeah. 2018. Um, you know, getting to meet him, um, but also, you know, Randy Moss, Brian Urlacher, you know, after they're retired, you don't hate him quite as much. <laughs> um, and, let, and let me t- let me say this about Randy Moss. A lot of fans will still kind of poop on him. But the biggest thing about Randy Moss that impressed me on that is just, you know, Jerry Kramer and some of the veteran players, you know, they're older and they don't get around like they used to be. I'm not exactly breaking news here. Just how he was with some of the older players really changed my tune on Randy Moss and being in the press room with him. His answer is how insightful he was. He had really changed my tune. I mean, I, I hated him when he played you know, with the Vikings, but I mean, I, I got so much respect for the man now.
1: That's That's honestly awesome. Uh, I very briefly met Jerry Kramer at Packer Palooza a few years back, and that was a super cool moment. Um, Amazing he's still doing stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure if I got your answer. Who was the most influential Packer of your lifetime? So
2: most influential Packer. So I was born in 83. They were terrible up until I was about nine. So Favre came around in 92. So that's kind of the obvious answer. You know, we're playing in elementary school. You know, we're playing, you know, playground football. Everybody wanted to be Favre. We're side army passes, you know, doing all sorts of of stuff. But honestly, I'd have to say Reggie White because his signing, you know, Favre was on the, you know, we didn't know Brett Favre was going to be, oh my God, you know, Brett Favre, you know, back in 93 when Reggie White signed, but he put Green Bay on the map and that changed everything. Getting him in there brought legitimacy to the team. Um, gave Holmgren a veteran locker room leader, gave somebody that could be a mentor to Favre, you know, to kind of keep his, you know, he had some bad habits for a long time, keep those in check. Um, And I really think, you know, he's been the most influential Packer to me as far as the influence he's had on the team.
1: It's um, obviously, you know, born in 93, a little too young to really appreciate Reggie White and all his glory. I will say, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone that's successfully consistently been able to recreate the hump move. Like the way no, that man no, tossed no. blockers around <laughs> no. defies all logic. I think the closest we're getting to someone that's just that, like physically dominant, might be Miles Garrett right now. And even then, it's way too early to even compare those guys.
2: And it, you know, it's different different eras too. But yeah. I mean, my I would I would I would tend to agree with that. I mean, J.J. Watt was kind of his own thing. I mean, as far as dominance of a, at a position, I think Watt got the closest. But Miles Garrett is. You know, there's some stuff there have been a few times I sound like that was almost Reggie. Like, I'm that's unbelievable. He's just a very gifted athlete.
1: Well, obviously, like pretty pumped to have you on, Chris. So, you know, let's go ahead and get started and talk about the game. And I want to open it up by saying that I now have an eternal grudge against CBS, the New York Jets, and the Tennessee Titans for making me watch the entire overtime of a pointless game and missing the entire first quarter of the Packers game. I'm assuming you did not have that problem. No,
2: that's that's the benefit of living in Wisconsin. We get the Packer game immediately because if that didn't switch, um, Channel Five, which is the Green the, the Green Bay affiliate, probably would have been um, in some danger <laughs> if they hadn't switched over to the game. But yeah, we don't look, fortunately because of you know being in the home market, we don't have that problem here.
1: The Acme Packing Company Slack channel was on fire for, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes. It was absolutely brutal. Uh, Thank goodness for corporate overlord, Tex Western, for, you know, being like, you can watch it on the NFL app on your phone, Mm -hmm. you know, only missed, ended up missing a few plays. I literally, I turned it on as Ben Roethlisberger threw that touchdown over Jair, but all in all, despite a huge injury scare we'll get into later, uh, a pretty stress-free win.
2: Yeah. I mean, very, I mean, overall, I mean that the opening touchdown, I was kind of like that. I'm like, that's pretty much big Ben's play of the game. Cause I mean, we'll get into more later, but he's obviously not been pardon the pun. He hasn't been, Ben. Um So he's been, you know, um know, yeah, he's been, he's been off. So I saw that. I'm like, that's probably the one play I said, as long as they're not out of sorts on offense and they don't have to get away from the script, you know, if the defense doesn't, you know, do what they did against the saints, I thought they could come back and, it, it played out the way I thought it would.
1: Yeah, you know, we, don't, we don't have to wait for it. We can get into it now. Big Ben is right. extremely washed. It, uh, it stinks to like from like, a football perspective, seeing a guy that used to be, you know, a pretty damn good football player, you know, just not even be able to hit anyone consistently checking it down on third and fourth and short, you know, behind the sticks. It's it was brutal to watch, man. I don't know how he's still the starter. You could tell the defense was really playing, knowing that he after that first play they still couldn't throw deep. There were a couple instances where clearly trying to play the short game. You know, a couple guys like Juju Smith Schuster were getting wide open, and he's just completely sailing the throws.
2: Yeah, he he was his accuracy was way off. I mean, there was an, even a platform. I caught it after the game. I retweeted. I don't remember which player was. I want to say it might have been Juju Smith-Schuster, where the CBS cameras caught him on the sideline, shaking his head after a pass. You could You could read his lips. I mean, even if you're not a good lip reader, you could figure it out. He said, man, it's a Ben problem. But I mean, as far as an alternative, when you've got Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph, I'm still going with the two-time Super Bowl champion <laughs> quarterback just out of, I don't know how much more productivity you're going to get out of either one. I mean, I would hope maybe Haskins can at least check it down, manage the game a little better. Mason Rudolph in relief duty hasn't been too impressive, but I mean, I mean, Ben's falling off a cliff. So,
1: you know, what's, that, that... what's wild about it is, you know, they have so much skills, like so much talent at skill positions everywhere where it mm-hmm. feels like if you just try to Ben out there on a normal draft season where you tank with, you know, giving your, you know, hall of fame quarterback, his flowers, let him finish out a season where you just stink uh, it would be a great year to reload if it was a good quarterback class. Unfortunately, everything we're seeing from these college kids, uh, I don't know what they're gonna do if they get a top draft pick. I think they're gonna try and reach on one of these kids and he's just he's not gonna be it and they're gonna be stuck in mediocrity. but again, like it's a situation where if this class was maybe last year's quarterback class, uh, they could have you know reloaded pretty quick.
2: yeah, I, I don't aside from trading for a um certain three-time MVP after this season.
1: Oh no. I don't
2: see, I don't see any, which I, you know, (laughs) we'll get more into that as the year goes on. But I, I, my, my feelings on that situation have done an almost complete 180. Um, but it's, you know, I, there's, there's not going to be a quick fix on this because there's not going to be an easy way for them to pass the baton, so to speak, and ease, you know, this new, whomever they pick into that role. Um, if Roethlisberger is going to play the way he's been, he it, it's not going to be an easy transition.
1: We're going to get a Photoshopped picture of Aaron Rodgers and whoever the opponent's Jersey is every single week yeah. for the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure I've already seen it each week. It's, it's getting outrageous. I, there are people now that are convinced that Rodgers is going to Pittsburgh. And I'm sure next week people will be convinced he's going to Cincinnati. You know, it, it just seems like it's a constant news cycle, but speaking of Rogers, I thought he looked a little off, you know, there were a lot of throws that were usually just dimes for him. He just wasn't making. Do you just think it was maybe he wasn't as dialed in knowing it was, you know, a weaker opponent?
2: You know, that's, you know, I, was, I saw that in the show notes and I kind of, you know, was wondering about the same thing. Yeah. He 95.6 quarterback rating. I know we don't put a ton of stock into that fifth, but only completing 55% of his passes definitely seemed a little bit off. And he almost looked like, you know, if you watch, you know, when he wasn't under, when he wasn't in the shotgun he almost looked like he was fading back if that's the proper scouting term into his throws yeah, um, like not
1: stepping you know, into them
2: yeah he wasn't stepping into them I mean, like he's fading back and then he's throwing the ball you know kind of going off you know which way he just was not seem like he was stepped like his footwork and the mechanics were a little bit off you know that we kind of saw from 17 to 19 which was a little concerning but i mean overall i some of that just might have been he he doesn't, you know, he's got T.J. Watt there, who Billy Turner did a phenomenal job against oh, by yeah. the way. Oh, yeah. um, but I just, some of that just might be trust, you know, not trusting his tackles right now, even after Nyman had another solid game in that great game he had against San Francisco. But I, I'm not going to write off into it too much. I mean, it's Pittsburgh. They still have a decent front. So I'm just going to, you know, concern that a little bit on pressure, you know, Yeah. a little uh, bit there. I'm not ready to blow it off yet.
1: Throw that stuck out to me was that underthrow of Tanya on the, you know, the drive where they were just running it down Pittsburgh's throat with Dylan and he just under, uh, you know, under throws Tanya, what would have been a touchdown um, all the credit in the world to the offensive line and I do just want to say that the fact that TJ Watt got two sacks in this game is the ultimate fake news there has ever been <laughs> one was a uh, one was a blatant tripping call. And the other one was Rogers running around just deciding to slide to kill some clock. So, you know, the fact that he got completely shut down for an entire game uh, and still got credit for two sacks, you know, that's why we don't put as much value into sacks as you know, maybe older uh, generations of football fans.
2: No, it's, it's all about, it's all about the pressures, the hurries. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's really the, the sack thing on there. You know, you can get a lot of that in garbage time, so to speak. Um Obviously, he. I mean, but after that tripping call, you know, I can't believe it it, it. it took so long, but I'm like, is Kevin King actually more popular in Wisconsin than <laughs> TJ Watt? After all that,
1: one might think. You know, I, It's I, close.
2: I mean, that, I mean, that. I mean, I was, I was at work at the time, unfortunately. But I mean, I the boo. I couldn't believe the booze. I couldn't tell if those were targeted at Watt or water, the officiating or both for not calling that. I mean, but that was that was a vociferous reaction from the Lambeau crowd.
1: It was a it was a stress-free game, but it was a weird game. You know what I mean? Like again, some, some questionable officiating again, I still think on both sides of the ball, um, you know, Rogers didn't play his best the defense played. Okay. uh, But again, you're just playing against a quarterback. I think Matt LaFleur even came out and said today, like, you know, it's hard to rest on your laurels when you play an opponent that didn't execute, like probably the harshest thing you could say in NFL head coach and coach speak is just saying that the other team did not execute their game plan. So I think in the, if you're trying to take like a silver lining out of that, like they didn't play their best and they still got a convincing win against, you know, a theoretically good opponent.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's really all you can ask for at that point. I mean, Pittsburgh is, you know, aside from the, you know, it's it's always kind of been, you know, the last 20 years of NFL football, it's kind of been a triumvirate between, you know, you've got the Patriots who are above everybody and you've got Green Bay and you've got Pittsburgh who have been good for, you know, pretty much all 20 of those years. So when you get a signature win over, well, I don't want to say signature win, but, you a quality win over a franchise like that. That's, it's still a good day at the office. So not a whole lot to be unhappy about with this one.
1: Yeah. Quality win. And it was the Randall Cobb coming out party. We had actually spoken. Everyone was talking in the Acme Slack. Uh, once MVS went on injured reserve, like who's going to step up. And I remember justice going, you know, you know, there's not a lot of options out there. Let's see what Randall Cobb has left in the tank. And he had a lot left in the tank. It looks like.
2: It definitely. I mean, I, you can see, you know, and, you know, the Packers threw him a bone, you know, by Rogers a bone when he came back for camp by getting Randall Cobb. But I mean, you saw some of it in Houston. Just you didn't have the he didn't have the team around him. And now he's got the connection he still shares with Rogers is obviously still there. Um, but he's he's still got plenty left in that tank. You know, you're your slot receiver. You can you can make plays from there. I mean, look at the game he had yesterday on yeah, the game he had yesterday.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to forget or it's hard to remember what day it is. Um you know, especially on a win like that, it just again everything felt weird. But you know, Randall Cobb doing a Lambo leap felt right. It's it's been too long since we saw that, and you know, I'm not tired of the Lambo leap shit. By the way, after a year without fans, just seeing those again has been you know wonderful. Um, the only other note I have written out on the game was just you know questions in the secondary. You know, obviously Jayer made a hell of a play on that fourth down stop, but ended up getting hurt. We'll talk a bit about that uh, a little bit later on here. Uh, but Eric Stokes, you know, for a guy that got targeted 15 times in a game and took some lumps, uh, I still thought he played okay. Yeah.
2: 15 targets, 10 completions. I, you know, he, he's held his own. He's not being a alive. He's not a liability, which at a rookie, you know, at this point in the year, if you're not a liability, you're doing okay. I mean, you got to remember, Jair took some lumps too as a rookie. So I, it's, it's, it comes with the territory, but he's, he's been competent, which is what, which is what they need. Uh, but now with, alexander being gone for a while it's he's gonna have to find a way to be better than competent unfortunately um and i hope he's up to the task
1: yeah uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot to ask for uh like i said we can get into that minute uh let's go into our segments but first let's take a quick break uh go into some ads
0: support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity V-A-N-29.com.
1: And we are back uh, with our segments. Again, shout out to Chris before he was even here, coming up with some you know, significantly better names for these segments than I had previously had. So uh, Chris is kind of known as the, you know, are you the pun expert? Do you have an official title for your, your puns and everything?
2: You know, I don't. Uh, Matub is, I think Matub is probably a little better than I am. Although I think mine can be worse which
0: is <laughs> Always when it comes to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I,
2: yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but um, I, I I would give him a tub of the answer to that. And I would say I'm the assistant to whatever his title would be. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so shout, shout out to Matt on that one.
1: Well, let's, let's go ahead and get started with the uh, segment, starting with the Gold Zone updates. You know, we wanted to, since this is inspired by Nathaniel Hackett, his love of gold and the Gold Zone. Uh, give you updates every week on how the team is doing inside the opponent's 20 uh, only two for four with touchdowns inside the 20 this week. The other two trips were a field goal to end the first half and a field goal to start the second half. And I know this is nitpicky on a, again, a pretty comfortable win, but it did feel like a missed opportunity when you had that opportunity to double up with the drive to end the half and open the second half to not get at least one touchdown uh, instead of two field goals.
2: Yeah, that we're, we're looking at a completely different game at that point um, if they double that up. Because then you're forcing – I mean, the route would have been on. Because then you're forcing Ben Roethlisberger to throw. And as we discussed, he he can't, he can't will the team back like he used to. So um, we're talking about a complete blowout. But, I mean, in hindsight, no use crying over spilled milk. I mean, the red zone struggles. It, it, it You like to get those things at home. But, I mean, at least it's not – Hopefully this is just a, a one-off thing. So I'm not going to, you're yeah. getting points. That, so, I mean, it's, it's a little no skewed. Need to...
1: It's a little skewed from the opening week, right? You know, currently they are in 20th in the league with a 60% of the red zone drive sending in touchdowns. Uh, but I believe it's the last three games. So not including that Saints game they're at 69%, you know, nice. What, you know, we had a lot of 69 and 420 references all Sunday. Um, Twitter was basically just a bunch of uh, teenagers just laughing at all that. And it was kind of amazing to see how mature, you know, all the Packers fan base is.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that's, it's, that's what, that's what makes the game fun. And, you know, it, that's what makes following the game on social media fun, especially, especially when it's to win. It's not exactly pleasant when they're losing, but I mean, after, you know, as we get further into the season, that week one, it's still, you know, that's 25% of their stats right now. So it's, it's going to be an albatross on any rankings right now. And as we go through the season, you know, that's going to mean less and less.
1: I'm thinking about a lot of the week one games lately. And the other one that stands out to me, Pittsburgh did beat the Buffalo bills. I am convinced that week one does not matter, uh, for crap. It is, it's a feel out game for every single team. And they have no idea what their identity is going to be for the year. So just weird stuff's going to happen. Um, It is nice, though, again, just another week of, you know, quieting the haters and the losers out there.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, week one is, you know, this is the first year with the reduced. I mean, last year there was no preseason, but, you know, it's the first year with the reduced preseason, you know, or they had a normal plan, but it wasn't a normal plan for what they've done in the past. So, you know, week one, I think, is just going to be a bigger aberration, you know, going forward. So, but, you know, you also have a longer regular season. So in the end, it probably... Ends up being a wash, but we'll have to wait till the end of the year. Obviously, to
1: I will say my that. my whole compromise whenever I heard about expanding the expanding the regular season, it was just, well, then cut preseason games. No one wants to see them. So the fact they at least cut one, that's the right move. Next up, I think, is adding a bye week. I just think, you know, especially when you're playing, you know, Sunday into Thursday, give those guys a bye week, man. Like, that's just that's ridiculous as far as getting your body ready. And what is that? Just a few days.
2: Yeah, and you know, they back in '94 they did a sixteen. They had an eighteen. I I mean, you were still almost in Huggies at that point. But (laughs) you know, um, they did an eighteen-week regular season, but they only played sixteen games, so each team had two bye weeks. So you know that that I think that might be the way to go. I love that. But but keep go maybe go to nineteen if you want. If you want the seventeen, go to nineteen and then just add a second bye. You know, and then but then you're bumping the Super Bowl back into. You know, another week further into February. Oh, the horror zone! The yeah. horror!
1: Another week of NFL football for them to just generate revenue. Oh, I can't even imagine the pain of that.
2: <laughs> yeah, because you're—I mean—you're still in the middle of the NHL and NBA seasons. Uh, there's there's not much going on in sports at that time. Spoiler alert. Yeah.
1: So, All it, right, uh, I'll uh, I'll formulate my uh, official letter to Roger Goodell uh, right after this. So you know, I'll get to work on that.
2: Yeah, I, I a, I'm a shareholder, so you know that that means I have a. Vote oh, right? there
1: you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm gonna bring it now into the panning for gold segment. Again, this used to be Packers positives. Panning for gold was the best possible name for Chris. And again, it's funny that this started with you know that blowout of the Saints. Where it's like maybe we need a segment to look at the positives. And now it's like which of the positives are you choosing from? So you know, ton to choose from. I am gonna go with Devondre Campbell though. He's getting talked about a little bit, and I don't think he gets talked about nearly enough for the impact a, a one-year, $2 million signing in May has had. Like As far as Gutekunst's best moves have been, finding an above-average competent inside linebacker for next to nothing, who was excellent in coverage, tackling, and pursuit. Um, it's been great. I'm such a huge fan of the signing, and he just continues to play you know, as well as any linebacker I've seen in quite some time.
2: Yeah, I would I would definitely I I I pick somebody else, but you know, in, in terms of talking with about Campbell, I mean he's exactly what they've needed inside linebacker. I mean, I thought last year, I honestly thought Kirksey was gonna be the one that didn't quite pan out. Um, but he I he's you know he's he's all over the place. He's smart, he's you know, when he's dropping into coverage, he's not a liability. You know, he's closing around the ball, he's a fundamental tackler, which you know, hallelujah.
1: It's been a while <laughs> um, since I've seen one yeah. of those on Green Bay. <laughs>
2: he's just, I mean, he's, he's been all over the place. He's exactly what they've needed. Um, would have liked to have seen another one sooner, but I mean, uh, I, I loved it, you know, quarter of the year into the season. I liked that. I wouldn't mind seeing him back next year.
1: I just, I like the philosophy of, as far as, you know, a lot of GMs are starting to devalue running backs and linebackers. And we could have a whole separate conversation about Aaron Jones, who I do love to death, but finding bargain value or late draft pick linebackers, Uh, you know, until you find one. I just think that's the move because it's not inherently the most valuable position in the modern NFL. But, you know, I could go on for days about this signing, uh, but who is your Packers positive or, you know, when you're panning for gold, what are you, what are you finding? Uh,
2: I'm going with Randall Cobb here. Um, You know, obviously, you know, when the Packers have done things a certain way for so long players play, coaches coach, GMs build the roster, Rogers wants more input, you know, a lot, of, a lot of us, myself included, reacted, you know, baloney, you know, know your know your role. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. obviously, he he knows something here. So, you know, Randall Cobb has, you know, he's shown not just today. He had, you know, he's played well so far, you know, a couple of games into the season. He had a couple of nice catches against Detroit, played well against San Francisco. He's, you know, he's still got it, you know. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, you know, spoiler alert, I'll have something coming for acne packing company this week. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to force the team to evolve a little bit, but I mean, as far as Randall Cobb, you know, he's, you know, MVS was going like, who's going to stretch the field? Well, you know, maybe you don't need to stretch the field when you have a quality slot receiver that can, you know, run his corners, run a post route, you know, run a curl, you know, just where Rodgers needs him to be. You know, that's, he's, you know, we didn't know what to expect out of him, you know, if it was just, you know, window dressing to keep Rodgers happy, but lo and behold, he's got a role on the team.
1: It's hard not to get a little emotional uh, seeing him back. I remember that last photo, basically, of him in Green Bay before he left was him, you know, crying, hugging Rodgers. So nice to see it really come full circle. Uh, anyone that loves to represent the green and gold, you know, is obviously welcomed by the fans. And he just got so fired up on those touchdowns. It was really awesome to see. I do want to give a bonus. You know, I'm going to cheat giving a bonus positive because uh, Chris Bororquez, Borquez, I'm gonna get it right one of these times, but he continues to be an absolute weapon on special teams. And after years of watching J.K. Scott and Tim Masthay, uh, this is pretty awesome.
2: We have a punter, unbelievable. They have a punter, um, but yeah, I mean that 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 punt that he made. I mean that I can't remember who you know when they get they pin Pittsburgh deep in the first after that first
1: drive. Isaac Yadam uh, had that. Thank, uh, thank you, yeah.
2: thank you um but that was an unbelievable punt i mean he's not i don't want to call him a weapon but i mean we almost willed him into existence to it the apc slack channel it's kind of one of those like wow you know but you know it you can't underestimate especially when you got a defense that's still kind of finding its way in a new scheme you can't underestimate the value of a good punter that can pin the defense back flip the field you know not immediately back them up you know coverage kickoff coverage you know forget that but you know he you know When you can pin the you can pin the the off the opponent back, you know to start a drive that helps your still growing defense out significantly.
1: Let's get into some news nuggets, shall we? I I the problem with doing a podcast where you record on Monday uh, after a game is that the news is always bad news. We talked about this last week. Um, Obviously, the biggest news and the update we're still waiting on is Jair Alexander. Uh, on that fourth down stop, immediately grabbed his arm, looked pretty bad. Got carted into the locker room, did not return. Uh, reports are, I believe it's NFL's Mike Garafolo saying that it is an AC joint injury. They are waiting to hear on severity. Matt Lafleur earlier today uh, did say that they are evaluating options, which is never something you want to hear. Uh, I will say I tried to, you know, ask around my injury contacts as far as you know what kind of time are we looking at. What's the severity? What's the range? Uh, From what I had heard, uh, it could be as bad as six to eight weeks. Uh, Realistically, if it's not that bad, you could be back in four weeks uh, playing with a harness. Uh, If it is super minor, which it's seeming like it's not, he could play with the harness and not miss any time. Uh, The harness is what worries me. Like, if he does come back and it's a pain management thing, uh, I'm worried does that like prevent him from being able to reach up and out, like if he's trying to break up a pass?
2: Yeah, you know, that he's not, you know, he's not, he's physical, but he's not super physical where it's not going to, you know, it's going to restrict his movement. There's no, there's no, there's no bones about it. But I mean, if we say he's out, if he misses the next six games, um, that would put him back right around the end of November against Minnesota, possibly against the Rams um, right after Thanksgiving. So he'd be missing that tough three-game stretch of, you know, at Arizona, at Kansas City, and then against Seattle. Not when you want to be without your number one cornerback. But you hope he's okay. Uh, He's obviously playing for a paycheck. I mean, obviously, I think we all want to pay him already, but he's, you know, we've got one year left. But he, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that. AC joints can be unpredictable. Um, Obviously, you're not going to be asking him to play much run support, but he obviously can... You know, as long as as long as he can cover a guy and stay with a guy, you know, the threat, as long as he's out there, the threat's there. And, you know, they won't throw at him.
1: Yeah. Like, let's say he does play the run sport thing does concern me because I feel like especially on bubble screens and things like that, he does do a really good job of attacking downhill and laying his body into it. But if he's playing with the pain management thing, you have to wonder how effective he can be in that role. Uh, the, the bigger question is, what does the secondary look like without him? Um, we're still not hearing anything about Kevin King. He, uh, LaFleur did mention today, if there was practice today, that Jenkins and Kevin King would be listed as out again. Um, so what are you looking at? If King's out as well, you're looking at Stokes on the outside, Shannon Sullivan in the slot. And I think Isaac Yadam on the outside.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's, I think that's the way you'd have to go. Um, depending on what's going on with Kevin King he's obviously still kind of a liability, um, you know, but if King's still going to be missing some time or if he's not, you know, they just want to move on from him completely, not so much cut him. he'd still be valuable depth, so to speak. But I mean, then are we looking at potential free agents, you know, Prince of Mukamara is still, still out there. Our Darquez Denard. Yeah. You, know, you know, do they, can you get somebody in here on a flyer? You know, neither of those guys have a particular history with Joe Barry, but I mean, you might have to get something in there because you got to shore up, you know, you got to show up the cornerback position. You can't be thin there. And that's suddenly has gone from a deep position down to something where they're, they're fairly thin.
1: I'm, I've been trying to keep an eye on, see if they're working out anyone. Uh, they worked out some unathletic defensive lineman. I can't not remember his name. I apologize to that guy if he's listening. Um, but the guy I did notice they worked out today was safety uh, Delano Hill, who had played with the Seahawks as a current free agent. Um, he's, he's a bigger body uh, safety. So I'm not, I'm just curious if they plan on, you know, maybe utilizing Henry black and um, Vernon Scott more in these heavy packages, trying to find a backup for them. It's not pretty. Even if you go after a free agent, just you're really going to have to rely on a first round rookie and a couple of veterans without, you know, much experience being successful.
2: Yeah. And coming up on, you know, with Arizona's offense, suddenly, you know, we kind of thought they'd be feast or famine. They're definitely looking like feast. So far, and just looking ahead at the upcoming schedule, um, Cincinnati's weapons are—you know—that's that, a team that's still developing. Joe Burrow is developing, but I mean, you've got some weapons there, Jamar Chase. Um, you know, Cincinnati can be dangerous. Chicago, you know, I, you know, but then you got Washington. So, you know, you you can if you can win these next three games, you're fine. But you want to make sure you've got something planned there, you know, for that three game stretch that I keep coming back to with Arizona, Kansas City, and Seattle you know, at the end of October into November. So I, you know, you got to shore up something to get them to at least get competent.
1: The Chicago game does worry me a little bit. As long as Matt Nagy just doesn't mess this up, you know, you do have Justin Fields throwing to you know, Alan Robinson at one point was a top tier wide receiver and Darnell Mooney, who for people that watch foot, like enough of the bears games, like he's a pretty damn good receiver. I'll give him a lot of credit. I work with enough bears fans to know that they really are high on that kid as well. So, you know, I think if it's one receiver that you can try and put Stokes on, you know, you might be okay. But yeah, you know, I think the concern is when you're dealing with these teams with a little bit more wide receiver depth. Uh, but again, who knows, there's still no official report out yet about Jair. So, you know, if you're the praying type pray, if you're the positive vibes type, send some positive vibes or just keep your fingers crossed. Uh, only other news did happen during the game that we have is that you know Aaron Rodgers did tie Dan Marino sixth all time in NFL passing touchdowns with yes 420 touchdowns just adding to the 420 memes and as soon as that happened a series of gifts of Aaron Rodgers looking like he was smoking a cigarette
2: i mean i mean how how, how can you not i mean it's it's a, it's the it's what everyone I mean, was it's, thinking it's laying out there exactly um, you know, I, great great to see, you know, Rodgers. I mean, I, we all remember what, when Favre passed Marino. Um, since then, that number has been passed several times. But, I mean, just, for, you know, you, you think, you know, you take a step back and you think how fortunate the Packers have been, you know, to have back-to-back quarterbacks that have both beaten Dan Marino's record. I mean, that would have been insane to think that way back in 2007.
1: Yeah, and you think about Rodgers. Again, he started his career as a back, or backup, not even seeing the field and the fact that he's already doing this you know, is in, an incredible pace for someone as a full-time starter. The only problem now is now is he's getting up in age. Uh, does he ever move higher than fifth? You know, Rivers is one touchdown ahead of him at fifth, but in order to pass far in fourth, it's 508. So he is 88 touchdowns away. Do you think he can do it? And if so, is it probably not in a Packers uniform?
2: I I think he can do it. He wants, he wants to play till 40. I So far, it looks like he's going to make that. Um, I think, you know, the Favre record, he is probably going to break and probably this year is going to be the team record at 442. You know, as a Packer uniform, you know, Favre through another 66, be, you know, between New York and Minnesota. So I, you know, I don't know if that, I think that's going to happen and whether or not it's in a Packer uniform, I have no idea. I would love for it to be, but, um, you know, I, I don't know is what I'm getting at. <laughs>
1: I still have this weird feeling that he's going to retire. I don't have any logic or anything based on that, but no, I'm just going to throw that out there and we'll speculate wildly like all the national media outlets do, you know, if you want to turn into first take next week, Chris, let me know. We'll do a first take episode. Um, we'll just talk about LeBron James, Aaron Rodgers, and I need a third name. Give me a third.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Um...
1: Tim Tebow. There we go. Tim Tebow. Yeah. We can talk about, <laughs> we can talk about them for three hours. We can broadcast in all sports bars, barbershops, you know, any store you can think of uh, and we'll just scream at each other. So <laughs> there we go. That's your Aaron Rogers talk for the week of where he'll go next. Um, let's yeah. rip. Re- go. Oh, go ahead.
2: Yeah yeah I, you know just I, I just want to enjoy the, the last season with them. I mean I, I've, pro- I've been higher on the Jordan Love pick than most but I just I just want to enjoy the I just want to enjoy the ride with Aaron Rodgers as much as we can especially with their salary. you know we obviously know it could be the last dance. We don't need to rehash that.
1: Well let me say this though we're only four weeks in. this has been spectacularly entertaining. Even the first week when they got blown out from an entertainment standpoint could not be better. I'm very much looking forward to you know a stretch of some winnable games. Hopefully, you know come out five and two, six or one, six and one. Um, Yeah, the product has been fantastic. So you're right. Let's just enjoy it while we can.
2: Absolutely, it's uh, it. We got to just enjoy the ride because I mean, I I barely I'm I'm 38. I barely remember the time before Favre. And you know the the law of the NFL world's a perfect circle. So it's you know who knows what the future is going to hold.
1: I've talked about this on here before, but growing up in Indianapolis when Peyton was here and being a Packers fan, um, extremely spoiled with quarterback play, just extremely. And now I'm watching it all fall apart in Indy, so I'm just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, oh, oh, what is going on with that Colts franchise? Oh my lord. I
1: you know, um, I can't, I can't, I, I say bad things about them on Twitter, but that is my hometown team. Um Got to see them win a Super Bowl over the Bears, which was just like an extra win. I I don't know what the deal is with the Wentz trade. Uh, I could talk about that for hours. This whole him needing to play 75% of snaps uh, to give them a first-round pick instead of a second and still trotting out there with bad ankles. It's all garbage. It's all garbage. But, you know, this is not a Colts podcast. If it was, uh, it would be a lot angrier, I think. Uh, (laughs) Let's let's wrap things up with Gold Rush. Uh, We don't have too much else to cover, but... Obviously, I think one of the highlights of the night was Mike Tomlin and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers thought he got 12 men on the field for a free play. Tomlin called the timeout and just that little subtle head nod each of them had was just, oh, that was perfect.
2: Uh, the ultimate sign of respect between two competitors. And I'm, I'm a huge Mike Tomlin fan. I always have been.
1: It's hard to not guy. be. Yeah.
2: Um, he's just just a first class, just a first class guy. I mean, even after the, you know, in the Super Bowl, you just you can't, how can you not help but love the guy? I mean, that's, that was the ultimate show of respect between Rodgers and Tomlin. And I think that's what's fed into this week's edition of, oh, Rodgers wants to be a Steeler. you know, that there was some ESP going on there. But I mean, it, it, he, that was, the, I mean, that, that, I, I did catch that after the game. That, that, that gave me a pretty good chuckle.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you on the Tomlin thing. I mean, he's one of the most longest tenured head coaches for a reason, right? You know, just, you know, consistent success, no matter who was on that roster, you know, they're always going to compete. Um, you know, also another thing from that game, were the Steelers really offsides on that blocked field goal? Can we can we be honest for a second? I really don't think they were.
2: I, it, it was too close to call. I mean, I, you got to remember the officials, you know, we, while we beg on them a lot, they're making calls at this. You know, it snap of a you know, with how fast the game moves, it's an instant decision, and that was a very, very close call. If you slow that thing down to a crawl, it's tough to tell. But um, you know, we'll take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those instances where it's like it was such a good jump, and he blocked it. You're like, there's no way he wasn't offsides, and I think that was their line of thinking, which I can kind of understand. Uh, we, uh, Acme Packing Company, talked about it yesterday in the Unpacked Pod, but uh, Lafleur did mention that it feels like people are timing up their snaps which is obviously a concern because we were thinking it was just like there's something wrong with the blocking on the right side it could just be a timing thing uh, people are learning to jump it so keep an eye on that even on extra points field goals all that because you know you don't want to see that become a problem now that they've recognized it
2: yeah and we saw you know with the game winning field goal against San Francisco how close that thing came you know in photos afterwards how close that came to getting blocked so obviously something to watch. We just figured, like you said, it was a protection issue. If it's a timing thing, you know, okay, maybe they'll maybe they'll fix that. But I mean, given the Packers' history with special teams, uh, that's definitely an area of higher concern than it probably should be.
1: I want to see if they roll out some hard counts. If you could get some of the jump offsides on a field goal, oh, that would be satisfying. Just get a free first down, something like that. Um, I'm excited about this one. You know. Uh, betting line Packers are only 3.5 point favorites over Cincinnati maybe they know it's because when I go to the Packers games uh, they usually lose and I will be in attendance but that does feel insultingly low
2: yeah you know I Cincinnati did look very good against Jacksonville although Jacksonville's not that good of a team obviously um, I that just seems like you know the home that, that's pretty much a push if you take home advantage into consideration which seems really far off. I mean, if they're looking solely at records, that's one thing. But I mean, Cincinnati's look like a developing team, where Green Bay's look like a very good football team. So I that that spread should be higher, and I wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, can it still move? I mean, will can it move yeah. throughout the week, or it probably won't it, shift much.
1: But. So it typically it doesn't move based on like news as much as you know where people are betting. So if people do start hammering the Packers to cover that spread uh, like the public, uh, they will start moving the line to make the Packers more heavily favored. You know, I, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but like, you know, the lines only move based on where the money's going. It's not usually like if they have some inside information or anything.
2: Yeah. Cause you know, that they suddenly like something, you know, like Jair being out, you know, that, that won't move the line if they suddenly throw them on IR this week, which <laughs> knock on wood that that doesn't happen, but. You know that that doesn't that doesn't affect the line. I'm not I'm not a betting guy. So,
1: well, it it I guess indirectly it does because people start putting money on like ah oh, shirt. we gotta yeah. you know go one way or the other. Um, but I don't have anything else, Chris. Uh, I really appreciate you joining me. It's gonna be nice to have you on weekly. Uh, shout out to the rest of the Acme Packing Company staff for filling in, stepping up. Uh, I will say this in my couple months being here, it has been awesome getting to know all of you. You guys have all been super supportive, uh, and we're having a shit ton of fun.
2: You know, that's, that's what this is all about. You know, sports are supposed to bring us together. There's enough that drives us apart in this world. So that's been the best part of this is we all come together, various backgrounds come from wherever, but you know, we, we, we have a blast together And when you can, you know, whether you're a, a staff for an SB nation side or a football team, when you can get that kind of synergy, it is a blast to be a part of and we're glad to have you.
1: Now I I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. You do not have to do it, but if you want to, do you want to give us an, I love gold?
2: You're talking like the uh, the gold member style. Yes. Oh boy! <clears throat> See, last week, last week, this would have sounded like my voice was changing. But uh, <clears throat> all right, let's 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 try this.
1: I love gold. I love gold. Thanks, guys.